0: The Ticehurst Rat Dear listener, whilst we await further new revelations and fresh editions of the morally complex and highly unique investigations selected from the diaries of Major William Bill Plumpton, the official archivist and constant companion of Mr Terence Terry Crabtree, Britain's greatest unsung scientist detective, we have been graced with a small selection of eight memoirs notes and jottings from the notebooks of Major Plumpton. These short and at times pithy yet illuminating notes reveal that both Crabtree and Plumpton were not only commissioned to conduct hell-breakingly violent drink fueled essays into crimes that if in the public eye would bring down governments on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean, rendering normal civilised life unimaginable, but also conducted more private and personal explorations of the human condition... As time and favorable new drinking experiences allowed, this particular memorandum seems to refer to a past and distant case, now a faded and almost forgotten event, but which suddenly rose from the cooling embers of history to dominate the attention and energies of our formidable, hard-drinking, crime-fighting duo. Here then is the Ticehurst Rat, bloody buggering hellfire and damnation. My unguarded oaths and further Portsmouth naval epithets, whilst fully justified, aroused a cool chuckle from my old companion, Mr. Terence Crabtree, as he reclined deep within a glowing nimbus of purified, smoldering Mexican yerba. This weekend, relaxer was a firmly fixed routine for Crabtree. The breakfast metzell snifters and peyote-garnished omelettes and rashers, now slowly digesting as he worked his way through a pile of Sunday newspapers with a razor-sharp bowie-knife, selecting clippings for later reading and scrutiny. Would this be the cause of your most entertaining disturbance, old chum? Crabtree inquired. His voice rich with warm, cosy mirth, as he flexed his arm cobra-like, and his knife twinkled in the afternoon light like a flicker of lightning, and thudded with deadly accuracy into the left-hand headrest of my Queen Anne high back chair the carefully sliced item he had extracted from his edition of the Sunday Times still firmly impaled by the gleaming war-worn blade. As ever, Crabtree had identified both the kernel of a bizarre and gravely stark mad tale of a potentially demented family secret and a first-rate pharmacologically spurred on-the-spot evaluation. Crabbers, your eye for the pursuit of nightmarish malversation is, as ever, on top form. As I roused myself from my hard-shined, port-wine-stained and worn old leather chair and loaded a fresh magazine of hydra-bursting rounds into my old army browning, I reflected that if my time with Terence Crabtree had taught me one thing only, it was to have a ready supply of advanced, mind-expanding medicines and a deadly weapon available at a split-second's notice for personal use and general welfare. We go to Tyshurst, East Sussex Major, I will arrange with the cabbie to propel us there at high speed and equip us with a suitable stock of nibbles and chemical-balancing liquids for our journey. And with those words of crackling, wildly rolling wide-eyed determination and intense barks of gleeful semi-mania, soothing my now hyped-up inner core, we left the snug, golden-lit afternoon rooms at Chiswick on what was to be a bitterly weird and horrifying Sunday trip to Tyshurst and the shocking truth within an old long decayed private asylum. The gates to the old Tysurst Asylum were now before us. This ancient hell house for the wealthy to secrete their, out of order, close relatives and sundry unwanted family acquaintances was long closed. Medical treatment for the insane now freely available via a pill or a yoga session. But my and Crabtree's newspaper story buried amongst the trivial inane gossip of the mundanity of daily life had caused a partial seizure in me and an electric bolt of high-energy intellectual pursuit in Crabtree. The name that had caught my eye causing my firming tirade was of a certain Dr. Gunn, a fraud and charlatan. His methods of treating the sorry maladies of those with vast bank accounts had been exposed by Crabtree and the phony doctor confined at Her Majesty's pleasure. Now released, he had disappeared, but to those of us with a long memory and the bite marks of our last encounter etched on both legs, there was unfinished business to do. The evening had descended in a gloomy, dull, chill mist. The last of the sunlight, slowly loosing its grip on the chimneys and tall oaks, the now sat in dark and unwelcome silhouette. Major, we will head to the main building and from there make a beeline to the head director's office. Keep your head up and nerves together. I fear we may be witness to horrors unknown. This was bloody serious stuff from T.C. Rarely had he seemed so troubled about stepping into the fray, but with a swift check on the heavy cold metal of my browning, I swigged back a cheek-bursting gulp from my half-pint flask of absinthe and campari infused with a reasonable helping of jimson weed, and together we stepped from cold half-moon night into a dead black tomb. The dark was cut into slices of brilliant light from our torches as we headed toward the now mildewed and musty mahogany-lined director's office. From within a fluttering candle danced in drafts from windows abandoned to decades of glassless existence. From within this room came a sniffing, growling moan, followed by a throat-cracked, cackling laugh that caused me to pull the hammer back on the browning and step towards the ajar door. "'One moment, Major,' Crabtree voiced sotto voce. "'I will go first.' And as I levelled up my pistol to blow the last vestiges of humanity that clung on to the black soul of whatever hideous creature lay beyond, Crabtree stepped into the old office, his torch directing its intense beam onto the vile being that dwelled in the heart of this wretched madhouse. Our torchlights played over an obscene and gut-wrenching apparition that scampered and wriggled in a hopping dance in the piercing dazzle covered in still-wet, red-raw, bloody skins, peeled from rats and moles and cats, with a head fashioned from broken staircase rods and the ripped covers of Morley cushions into a pointed rat-faced mask, complete with spiky whiskers and yellow false teeth, was the insane figure of our old foe. Running around, chasing his bell-pull rope tail and snapping his ghastly brittle teeth together with a howl and a scream, through those crazed biting teeth he shrieked at a horrid pitch. "'I'm poor Dr Gunn I am! You mightn't happen to have a piece of cheese about you now! No!'